Hello and welcome to the Leadership and Insurance Podcast. This was a very special edition filmed at ITI in London. We were looking to test the waters and take the temperature of the venture community. So this is part one uh, of a two-part podcast where we got to speak to four venture capitalists and corporate venture capitalists from the InsureTech arena. We were really lucky today to be joined by Tiffany of MSNAD, uh, Connor from Lightspeed Ventures, Michael from Helvetica, and Samar from uh, 630 Ventures. Really insightful and want to thank all of the guests for their time. Good morning, how are you? Great. Um, um, so I'm very lucky to be joined today by, if you do introduce yourself, that'd be wonderful. Sure. <laughs> uh, my name is Tiffany Wang. I'm a partner at MS and AD Ventures, the venture arm of Mitsui Sumitomo and Aiwini Seidoa. It's an early stage fund. We make investments all over the world with the exception of Japan. And we do insure tech, fintech, mobility, digital health, enterprise, very, very broad. We look at things with interesting uh, data sets that could potentially touch risk. Um, we've been around for about four years and have 90 portfolio companies now. Wow, that's a big portfolio. Um, <laughs> is there something different about um, being attached and being in the CBC space? Does, does that mean your appetite was a bit more resistant to some of the macroeconomic environment? Or is that fair to say? Or does your, is your, your sort of thesis change as dynamically as any other kind of yeah, venture. So, so we might be set up a little bit different than other corporate venture funds. We call ourselves VC plus C. So we operate like an institutional VC, but with the backing of one sole LP. Okay. So all the decision making stays within uh, my team. So from a, from a strategy perspective, we've always had to do both. We have to do financial returns and we need to do strategic returns. Mm-hmm. Uh, because we're investing in early stage, it does take a little bit of time before the uh, companies are ready to partner with the parent company. Parent company being headquartered in Japan, but have you know have presence in about fifty different countries. In the in the UK, we own MS Amlin, or my parent company owns MS Amlin. So, um, but you know, at the early stage, we always typically focus on the founders, and that has not changed. Uh, you know, throughout the the years. Mm. It's really interesting. I was just having a conversation with someone um, at the at VC, and and they said, you know, what's the uh, what's your three priorities on when you look at some, uh, an early stage investment? And he was like, team, team, team. Yes, yes, that's, <laughs> that's accurate. Yeah. Um, obviously, macroeconomic conditions have changed. Um, less in terms of what you're looking at thematically, but but has that changed like the question set at all, like the screening of, of, of opportunities? I think, you know, valuations have come down quite a bit. Uh, and you see that sort of across the board. Um, there's different expectations this year compared to you know the last couple of years. Actually, it's much better for investors, mm-hmm. right? It makes a lot more sense, um, you know, and and you're getting more value uh, yeah. for for what you're going out and and you know figuring out what to invest in. So I think in general it's a positive thing, but it's actually good for um, for the startups as well because you know yes, it's kind of sad because some of them are gonna die and you know but some of the teams will get absorbed by other teams there's MA, there's some roll-ups that that's happening but i think this is where you know more innovation actually comes out mm-hmm. because you know they actually have to produce and become a quote-unquote real company right mm-hmm. there's no more living off of you know vc capital um so i think this is actually a really really great moment mm. is there's something about restriction and 
I always take this as a creativity. Like uh, I, I talk about this, I'm, I'm a writer and I used to be an actor and all this sort of stuff. And, and we always talk about restriction drives creativity. And I think to a certain extent, the kind of open checkbook approach, you're never driving towards a practical out outcome. So that innovation can be almost like continuous iteration, which isn't always helpful. You know, you need to drive to a point yeah, I mean, you have to be hungry, right? You have to, if you are if you know you're going to run out, you're going to figure out a solution. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. It sounds brutal, but true. I mean, that's true of every business, isn't it? Like I say, like, quote, unquote, a real business. And I think yeah. sometimes we talk about venture-backed companies like they're, like they're not, and they shouldn't be. Yeah. And I think some of the drive towards fundamentals that we've seen in the last 12 to 18 months, and that's across tech. It's not just insure tech. It's not yeah. alone, right? Yeah. It's, it's been a good thing. Um I'm interested about events and, and you know, what do events like ITI mean for you? What what what's a good event for you? What do you get out of these things? So it's it's really great actually just to catch up. We you know of the ninety portfolio companies, I think about thirty five percent of it is in the insure tech space. So a lot of our portfolio companies are here. So it's very exciting to uh, catch up with them. But so many friends as well. So yeah. I joined um, insurance industry about three and a half years. So it was a little bit of a learning curve, but it's it's really wonderful to just have all the friends here together and spending time and, you know, meeting a bunch of companies at once instead of, you know, having to be sitting in Zoom calls. Yeah. 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 Although you always got this strange thing of um, assuming that everyone's taller than you think they are. Yes, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That's, that's my comment for 90% of the people I meet on Zoom first. It's like, you're taller than I expected. It's like, yeah, because I sat down. Um, and that's if you recognize them, which is embarrassing. Um, what is there any particular themes of, of areas of insurance that you're looking at? For investment at the moment, uh, specific things that you're looking for. So we, you know, we we invest very broadly. So we like things that put, can potentially touch insurance. So we're we're not only looking at in insurance, um, uh, you know, but traditionally we've 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 invested in sort of full stack businesses rather than you know what we've called enabling technology sure. or or things that only sell to carriers. Um, we are investors in, for instance, Socotra. Mm -hmm. uh, Artificial Labs is another one that we've invested in. So we do make exceptions. Um, we have several MGAs. We're in Hippo and Next and Vouch. Um, but we've also made a lot of investments actually outside of uh, insurance as well. What we really focus on is really, really good founding teams that can potentially disrupt the insurance space. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We've had Socotra and Artificial on, on our podcast. Really? Well. That's so, great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, my, my friend Tim's one of the one of the earliest hires at Artificial. We've been there a long time. Very um, cool. Although I'm bullying him because he wasn't here. I don't know why he's not here today. But um, um, but um, and I've been asking this question of of, of most of VCs I've met today because I think the question that a lot of people want to know, a lot of the people that listen in are either raising or or, or want to be entrepreneurs and, and have an idea. What's the best way to approaching? Um, raising in this environment um what are people looking for that's kind of different in this maybe slightly more difficult conditions than previously mm -hmm. i think it's helpful to i mean make sure to do your research and understand you know what the investor is looking for if you just take a look at the you know their portfolio you'll get an understanding of you know what potential stage and what types of companies that they're looking at but i think it's it's really important to understand your market really really well and why you think you're going to be different um, you know, three and a half years ago, it was it was kind of difficult to become an MGA, right? Understanding the emerging technologies and then, you know, where you want to position yourself is really, really important. Today, there's so many MGAs popping up everywhere. It's much more difficult to get funded as an MGA. 
um, you know, as an investor or as a venture investor, I have to look for things that have venture returns. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, I think a lot of the MGAs are a little bit small, Mm -hmm. right? It doesn't mean it's a bad insurance business. It's a great insurance business. Um, And so that's something to really think about whether you want to build a venture-backed company or you want to just build a very healthy insurance business. Mm. I found that quite interesting, actually, because I've I've been in the insurance space for a long time. From those that I used to run, well, we run very much a search firm. And we used to find uh, in underwriting teams that wanted to go and work at MGAs. And that's been a long source Mm -hmm. of kind of revenue Mm -hmm. for us. Yep. And it's almost like a traditional, very traditional insurance investment, yep. but it doesn't fit with venture. So I'm surprised yep. that we see so much activity in that space. Are you yep. surprised that you're seeing, comp- not not competitors, but other VCs invest so heavily in MGA businesses? I think I think there's some that are more strategic mm. uh, and it makes sense for them to invest in MGAs. We're seeing that with a lot of the reinsurers. Um, and, but I think maybe, you know, a couple, Couple of years ago, you're seeing a lot of the the mainstream VCs dabble in it, and then you also see them pull out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, because you know it's a little bit different than a you know SaaS business, yeah. uh, and you have to think about it when you're comparing you know SaaS versus a uh, insure tech. Yeah, the valuations are not the same. Uh, a little bit different. Yeah, we were t- we were talking about this last last night. I said that with SaaS, if you sell someone SaaS and it's a bad bad piece of software, then the worst case scenario is they won't renew their license. Like, yeah. You sell someone an insurance policy that's either not written very well or, or they're a bad risk. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> Unfortunately, it bites you and it's not just that they leave. And as someone said last night, they probably won't leave. They'll probably go and buy the insurance yeah. again. Um, and, and so then finally, I, I just think, um, you know, what when we look at kind of things like ITI, um, I want to know really who, 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 who runs the best event. Is it ITI or is it ITC? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think it's it's the some of the events that are just a little bit outside of okay. the events. Okay. Yeah. You have to you have to figure how to get into them. Yeah, the event outside the event, um, yes. and, and basically all the parties. And and it's, it's unfair. It's the first day, so we can't ask who runs the best party. We should have done it on the last day. Yes, yes. Not not yet. So we'll we'll find out. Brilliant, Tiffany. Thanks so much for your time. Thank you. Hello, welcome, and I'm lucky to be speaking to Michael. Uh, Michael, if you'd introduce yourself, that'd be fantastic. Happy, Alex. Uh, great to be here. Yeah, my name is Michael. I'm a, a partner of the Helvetia Venture Fund. We're um, a corporate uh, a CVC closely associated with Helvetia Insurance Group from mm-hmm. Switzerland. We're an early stage VC, um, and we invest in um, everything that is uh, in the insurtech space and related. Brilliant. Um, what brings you to an event like ITI? I always wonder what, what VCs particularly get out of it. Well, um, here in Schutter has, has a quite, I mean, first of all, the, the, I mean, the number of people here that, yeah, that sure. kind of makes, uh, it, it's the quality of the content that is really quite amazing here. And you cannot really find it at, at other conferences that well. And then um, I think what makes the conference unique is um, you have a very good mix of of corporates and kind of legacy companies mm. and, and startups um, in in a very good way, um, and uh, that's why I like coming here. Good. And any of your portfolio investment companies here? Oh, absolutely. For example, Mojo is here, um, and also uh, Napo, which is doing pet insurance here in the UK. Yeah, fantastic. 
pet insurance is a hot topic at the moment. <laughs> Absolutely, it is. It's, it's, it's a very difficult kind of sector, though. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's not easy. We kind of did a lot of analysis uh, prior to our investment, but uh, the company is doing well, and we're, we're happy to be a part. Great. And so it's interesting to talk to CVCs. I know when we've talked about the VC landscape, their appetite has quite dramatically changed. Um, from a CVC perspective, is, is the change been less dramatic in terms of what you're looking for over the last couple of years? Has the thesis changed much? So the general thesis hasn't changed at all, I would say. Um, and I mean, of course, we do see um, kind of a, a slump or a change in, in sales cycles mm -hmm. and, and uh, in, in, in talent. Um, it was much harder to get talent mm -hmm. maybe a year back. Now it's a bit easier. Um, the, the beauty about insurance, though, is much of the revenue is kind of statutory, mm -hmm. uh, car insurance and mm -hmm. many other insurance. So you have predictable cash flow um, that makes it uh, also attractive for private equity right now. So you know, private equity guys here that are looking mm -hmm. to buy insurances or insurance companies. Um, so I wouldn't say we're one of the few industries that hasn't been impacted that much. Yeah. Um, but you, you can see some impact in terms of, again, valuations and, you know, Skills and perception and all that. Mm. I suppose that's where, as a CVC, you're slightly protected because presumably you take that longer term view that insurance companies do, right? They just look at things in the longer term, whereas VCs are maybe looking for that exit opportunity down the line. Yeah, well, at some point in time, we do want to exit as well, sure, obviously. Sure. But um, insurance has always been a bit special because um, I, I'm, I would kind of have the thesis that it's not a big problem for any insurance company in the world to to uh, increase sales. They mm -hmm. can just kind of you know do it and buy customers, um, and that is kind of in conf. The, the the problem is to do it profitably and have good portfolio management. Sure. And this is what most typical VCs don't really get. They just look at top line and you know that's it. Mm -hmm. It's part part of the reason I believe why you know Lemonade and all this have, that their stock price didn't have a particularly good development and mm -hmm. many other. Kind of B2C startups in the insurtech space. And I believe that's why um, CVCs have, in some aspects, better understanding of the insurance industry. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and we've seen more prominence from the CVCs um, in the last couple of years as that there's been a move towards, let's say, away from those kind of like big SaaS plays or big distribution plays into more kind of what I would say almost like traditional insurance investment, niche lines, like. Like maybe not going after the the biggest TAM, but more you can get more of that market. Um, it's just something that we've observed. I, I will totally agree. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what what um we're in twenty twenty three. Is there any sort of particular innovations or kind of themes or things that you're particularly interested in from the insurtech space? Um, well, I'm not going to say AI because everyone, everyone <laughs> says that right now. No, but more specific. So. Uh, a trend we've been following and that we've been investing into is the, I would call it the MGAization of insurance. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so if, if, I believe the MGA model is a super good model for a startup in the insurtech space. Sure. And, um, but it's one that you can basically only scale in verticals. Mm -hmm. So you're super well positioned in particular vertical, like uh, the, the, the company I mentioned, Napo, pet insurance, crystal clear, mm -hmm. uh, nothing left or right. Crystal clear, you know what it stands for. Mm -hmm. And I believe down the road, those will have um, a very clear path to exit also. Sure. Um, so there's, there's one thing. The other one is um, 
of course, embedded insurance, but I would put it more specifically in terms of, uh, I believe it will merge with fintech to a great extent. Yeah. Um, there's no reason why, you know, I don't know, take something like insurances around property is so closely related to financial data that it's, you know, it's a matter of time before the fintech and the insurtech world will merge, mm -hmm. uh, at least with regard to some products. Um, and that is also something we're having a very close look at. Yeah. And, and lastly, and um, before I let you go and mingle with the masses, um, what advice would you give to founders that are here at an event like ITI um, looking to raise investment? What's the, what's the polite, proper, best way to go about it? <laughs> um, well, first of all, the benefit of an event like this is to meet a lot of people. So you sure. can get a lot of different perspectives on things. Um, uh, my, the, the general advice would be to um, to have make a capital efficient pitch these yep. days, yep. Um, which is actually possible in InsurTech because you can make as a startup you can uh, get uh, insurers to to sign off a deal where you get, for example, a lot of upfront commission that makes it you know that eases the cash flow needs a little bit, um, and 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 these kind of things to negotiate good terms with uh, their underwriters that you know help you get started. Fantastic. Michael, thanks for your time. Good morning. Um, I'm lucky to join by Samarth. Um, Samarth, it'd be great if you could introduce your, yourself and the, and, and the fund that you work for. Sure. Uh, good to meet you first. Thanks for the invitation. And uh, I'm Samarth Shekhar. I'm based in Frankfurt and Amsterdam, uh, responsible for the presence of an EMEA of our fund 630 Ventures. Mm -hmm. It's a U.S. headquartered fund investing globally in uh, big ideas around insurtech, fintech, and uh, cybersecurity. Mm -hmm. uh, or more elegantly put, and that's our fund thesis, uh, the intersection of wealth, health, and privacy. Uh, and yeah, glad to be here. Brilliant. Thank you. And you, and you just announced uh, the close of your latest fund, I think you were just saying. Absolutely. Yeah. But uh, good timing that way. Thanks for reaching out as well. We were... Uh, we just published yesterday our, um, or announced the uh, close of our third fund. This is a 66 million fund. Uh, continue to invest at that intersection of wealth, health and privacy just mentioned, uh, mainly looking at C2 Series A companies, mm -hmm. uh, more leaning towards B2B and B2B2C ideas. Mm -hmm. Most of our LPs or limited partners are uh, mid to large. Uh, corporates, category leaders across banking, insurance, and asset management. Mm -hmm. uh, we look at companies where we could not just bring in the money, but also the connections, the ability to scale. So yeah, that's yeah. basically what we do. Brilliant. Yeah, that appears to be that. That's the magic source, isn't it? It's no good having the money if you've, if you've not got the connections to the industry you're trying to crack into. So um, uh, I think the the sort of topic on everyone's list has been that, that those early stage companies maybe they're managing to raise seed seed's been not easy but but good ideas are still getting funded um but that what's the sort of advice for people going from that seed to series a has that changed in the last kind of 12 to 18 months in terms of what, what that advice would be uh seed to series a by the way just to give you a picture of europe itself uh and I think the numbers would be probably across sectors and across business models, but mm -hmm. roughly C2 Series A in the B2B space or SaaS uh, space, you end up with about a 25% success rate. So like right. getting from C2 Series A, 
you have a one in four chance of getting there first of all just like normal market conditions mm-hmm. uh, i would say things haven't changed like having gone through the one and a half to two years of uh, madness uh, it's actually kind of like we started back in 2018 2019 mm-hmm. uh, i'm not so worried about the seed stage which again not anymore worried about the seed stage <laughs> Uh, getting from C to Series A, I would say it's still the old rules apply. We'll probably be um, uh, seeing more of uh, stringent views on can this company do this without too much additional capital and be a bit more conservative on the uh, amount you throw on to sales and marketing. So essentially saying is there some evidence of repeatable sales even at the seed or post seed stage uh, that kind of can help uh, putting that money behind those sales machines so uh, trying to be sure about that trying to be clearer about the market opportunity but i think it's the basic rules of yeah big market uh, good team uh, that understands in our case understands the vertical or understands the market players uh, knows which way to play or play for the next one or two years so going after which like go to market for us is very important mm-hmm. uh, and looking at clarity on these are the guys i'll partner with in the first one or two years these are the guys i'll sell to in the next phase of you mm-hmm. know post series a all that is, yeah, quite a lot. But yeah, we want to see that clarity uh, already at seed, post-seed as well. Mm. I, I was just thinking as you were talking about that, team is always early stage businesses. You know, I've had many conversations with them. Team always seems to come top. Has the profile of founder or, or the person founding team changed slightly as the market dynamics have changed? So before we were like growth at all costs and it wasn't, always necessarily about profitability. I think consensus-wise, everyone's kind of going, we need to get the profitability quicker, runways need to be extended, and you need to be more sensible and cash conscious. Does that mean you go after a slightly different entrepreneur or a slightly different founding team? Maybe more mature or more experienced founding teams are more likely to get funded in this environment? I mean, that's, yeah, I think it makes sense. Yeah. Uh, we, everybody would love to invest in, uh, for like, repeat founders, yeah. but... In Europe, especially, it's a new ecosystem mm-hmm. and uh, a relatively new ecosystem. And uh, even otherwise, I mean, we feel it's more about the understanding of the problem. Yeah. On uh, on understanding of the way you can sell, I think those two things are very important. Like ability to convey that problem to either the investors or more importantly the customers and say this is what we could do for you uh, and be convincing enough you don't have to be the sales profile like people have it have in mind mm-hmm. we love technical or very uh, deep thinking uh, founders who are just clear about what they offer and they are pretty good sales people that way and yeah in any case the first two to three years it's a lot of founder driven sales so mm-hmm. yeah we are i would say we are just looking for grounded uh founders who understand the problem set who understand the way the market will play out and can uh, stand in front of a client 
convince them. I, I'm not. I'm smiling if you say yeah. this, Samaf, because because we so you know the FinPro business is a recruitment business specific for insurtechs, mm-hmm. and the funny thing for me is the amount of founders that one they never consider themselves salespeople, mm-hmm. but they're the best salesperson in the business. Absolutely. And and then when they go to get their first external salesperson. Mm-hmm. The profile they pick is so different from them, mm. and I find that so funny because you go, mm. "Why do you? Why are you changing the sales profile so much? You want technical salespeople, and I think that's what people expect now. I think sales has got an old-fashioned view of, of what the salesperson is, and the loud and the brash, yeah. or even just like very driven and uh, obviously driven. But you know, there's a stereotype, and actually that stereotype doesn't play out really anymore. If you're trying to sell technical problems to sophisticated buyers. They want a sophisticated technical Correct. salesperson. And that quite often is the founder. But um, I won't get on my soapbox because I want to ask you some other <laughs> questions. Um, um, the, the, the things that you're interested in at the moment, you mentioned life insurance um, before we started recording mm-hmm. and that, that was something you're particularly interested in. Are there any, um, well, one, I'd love to f- find out a bit more about that. Is that to do with the silver economy and, and the growth of that? Um, or And there are other themes within InsureTech that you're specifically interested in right now. Yeah. Uh, so we are in within InsureTech and even across financial services, we are open, as I said, uh, looking at uh, FinTech, InsureTech, digital health also from the life, uh, sorry, from the life and health insurers perspective mm-hmm. and uh, privacy slash cybersecurity. Again, looking at that, if you share data to get a better health insurance, for example, how yeah. is that protected, et cetera, et cetera. Looking at... Uh, uh, within insurance, I do want to say, yeah, we are uh, looking at everything, mm-hmm. but uh, have been particularly keen on life and health, uh, given also the thesis around health, wealth and privacy. Mm-hmm. Uh, PNC is of interest as well. We've uh, started seeing some good ideas based on uh, the way some of the differences in the way the industries are structured. So PNC tends to be more brokers and more intermediaries driven mm-hmm than life so some ideas around that but otherwise a lot of um, embedded insurance plays where in our site last couple of years we keep looking at that market uh, the way uh, i i don't think everything is solved there yet no. life for example is very very unsolved when it comes to embedded insurance uh, we look at how can you on the one hand distribute via new channels but can you have products which can be distributed via those channels? And that's not solved yet. You mm. could you could think that, yeah, you can embed it and just get away with it, for example, with smaller, simpler PNC products or some very super simple life products. Uh, but I think it's a longer way to understand how do you create kind of credible products which are simpler and easier to embed and so on. So, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, that, that's one of the things at the back of our minds when we keep looking at uh, the insurance space. Uh, we keep looking at a lot of uh, specialized offerings. So, most of the companies which are attacking the insurance space or trying to create products are going super deep, looking at specific customer segments mm-hmm. or specific products which can now be created or sold because of technology, because of uh, the way they were able to train algorithms on data sets which were existing, but it wasn't possible to train until uh, the last two or three years. Uh, or they found a way to access hard-to-get data because the 
market dynamics started changing and let's say some of the players in the ecosystem were uh, not incentivized to continue in the old way so yeah it's like i could go on and on but yeah it's those are the three three or four biggest moving parts uh, we are looking at yeah that's interesting i particularly thought it was interesting your point about embedded because i i you know i'm I'm a, an insurtech specialist. Yeah. I, I, I like to in, I like to try and use as many of these insurtechs so if I'm ever buying. And I was trying to buy some um, some home insurance, and I was using something for an embedded solution. And I thought that was quite, but the product wasn't quite there. Like the, the buying experience was great, but it was a super simple product. And I thought if I didn't know about insurance and I just wanted insurance, you know, um, a simple version to make sure I had some cover, yeah. it would have been great. But it wasn't quite there. So I think there's a little bit of way to go. So that's really useful. Um, so Marth, I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll wrap things up, but um, uh, I'm, I'm having a little bit of a miniature competition amongst our VC guests on who's having the most meetings. So how many meetings have you got booked for this uh, next couple of days? I'm, uh, I have a list of about 12 people who have already been in touch. But the problem is like, even when I was getting through the queue, you would bump into yeah. people and yeah, well, let's meet today afternoon. So I think, yeah, 20-ish today, hopefully. And then yeah. uh, let's see how it goes tomorrow. Looks like me and you are a close <laughs> second to Xenia from Plug and Play at the moment. She's, she's got 30, but got Samar, it. thank you so much for your time. Takes the cake. Thanks. Bye-bye. So uh, last but not least, by any means, um, in part of this kind of VC special, talking about appetites here at ITI live, um, I'm here with um, Connor Love. Connor, you and I are aware of each other, but just for the folks listening, perhaps you'd be kind enough to kind of introduce yourself and obviously the, the fund that you work for. Of course. Yeah, great. Thanks for having me, Alex. Uh, I am a early stage partner at Lightspeed Venture Partners. We're a global venture capital firm that invests in seed all the way really through pre-IPO. I focus the majority of my time on fintech, though, and I would say half of that in, in insurance. So know the space well. Yeah. So you're not an insurtech pretender, but, uh, but 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 yeah, not all your time. I suppose that's probably quite a useful lens. And I think most people that we've spoken to are either CVC from insurance or, or they're insurtech-specific funds. Um, how does that kind of broader fintech lens play into kind of what your appetite is in the market? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's funny. What, uh, what I fell in love with insurance, actually, I started down the neobanking kind of consumer trend where we saw post-2008 global financial crisis the bank just not holding up to what consumers wanted. And you saw that trickle into in insurance. And at the time, it was a direct consumer facing, how can we acquire customers you know, more efficiently? Uh, that was wave one. I'm, I'm personally less excited about wave one and more excited about wave two. And to me, that's all about underwriting, just, you know, building good books of business with you know, data-driven technology um, and, yeah, a little bit of distribution as well. But it's all about wave two for me. And you know, I think you can learn a lot looking back on consumer-facing fintech because the reality is of this market is it's just a lot harder to raise capital and customer acquisition costs, um, you know, maybe in a cheap capital environment is doable. But um, I, I think, you know, if you're an insure tech right now, the direct consumer acquire a customer, sell a small amount of policy is just a really hard book of business to build. Even with those uh, parameters on like commercial PNC business or kind of niche lines of business, um, one of the things that's come up as a topic of conversation, probably just more in the rank and file than specifically the VC community, is it, can you get the multiples that you need for a fund from a digital insurance play where they're selling insurance policies? I mean, this is the you know billion dollar question at the fund. I mean, it's funny. I I spend like I said, fifty percent of my time focused really on insurance, and I actually think it's a good question for large firms to ask. I mean, at Lightspeed, we're a 
$7 billion fund. And, you know, when we make an investment at the early stage, you always have to think, is this a billion dollar return like business? Um, I still believe it, obviously. If you look at multiples right now, it's really hard to pull that from the public market. I mean, you know, some early InsureTech 1.0s are trading at a third of their size of book of business. I think if you step back, though, and just look at what the premise of InsureTechs are supposed to be doing, changing the way we underwrite, you know, putting a, a traditional kind of, you know, insurance model, you know, up, up on its head. And then if you look at how big the market is, I mean, if you throw life insurance into this along with traditional PNC and commercial, I mean, we're talking $7 trillion of capital a year. Um, Yes, the market is big enough. I think the question just becomes is, can we look at what happened in InsureTech Wave 1.0? And it's not all about grow at all costs. It's not about acquire as many customers as possible. I would actually argue it's about acquiring really good books of businesses. And to me, those books of businesses a lot of times look like more B2B-like insurance. So, you know, more commercial kind of policies being sold. But it's also in these areas of net new types of insurance. And we were talking about cyber even before we walked in. I mean, you know, cyber didn't exist, uh, you know, as an insurance policy 20 years ago. Um, And it's growing at a rapid rate year over year. And the beauty is, you know, the incumbent advantage a lot of these insurers doesn't exist in this space because they don't have decades worth of data. So I still think there's plenty of opportunities for InsurTech to either gather this net new type of risk that hasn't existed before or to really make a 10x, 20x, 30x better product focused on underwriting some of these larger, I would say, you know, commercial or B2B facing insurance products. I think the B2B space is particularly interesting as well because you're dealing with a sophisticated consumer. Because um, a lot of the leaps and bounds that was made in kind of the consumer-facing insurtech market, the question I always sit back and ask is, does the consumer care? Do they really, really care? Or, because realistically, price is king when you're dealing with consumer-facing products. So it's only really in that B2B space that you can actually kind of make a tangible difference. Um, I wanted to talk about the sort of macroeconomic environment we're in now as well, because obviously that's that's been quite challenging. Tech generally has been challenged in terms of the kind of prices. Um, has that changed the way that you screen opportunities, maybe even your question set? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's it's funny because you're totally right. If you look at tech companies, tech multiples across the board in the public market, they've been slashed. Um, I mean, it's across fintech, you know, consumer, insurance. Um, I think what's really interesting, though, is go look at, you know, the Willis Towers Watson, the, the progressives, the incumbent insurers, they're trading at, you know, 52, you know, three-year, five-year highs. They're some of the largest, you know, caps they've ever been in terms of their economic value. And it comes down to just like a really simple fact that insurance is, most of insurance is compulsory. And it's a product that, you know, if you've written it for decades or you've understood it better than someone else, it actually is quite profitable. So I think what, what we're missing though is, you know, traditional insurers have been the most profitable they've ever been. Um, you know, their their market caps are trading at way better multiples, you know, historically compared to tech companies. Um, but, the, but the question becomes for these insure techs is, you know, the answer was always get to scale and then the business model is going to look good. At scale, our loss ratios will look good. Um, I think that really needs, still needs to be proven. Now, I think there's some businesses like, you know, App A in our portfolio that I think will we'll, we'll get there. I also think there's other businesses that are either pulling revenue or will gain some enterprise value, not just from their insurance book of business, but from the software tooling that they've built. So it's, you know, a business like Nirvana, a full stack trucking insurance company that sells a a safety trucking platform on the side and provides value to, you know, small fleets, mid-sized fleets. 
and then sells insurance on top of it. And I think that's unique. You don't have a lot of carriers doing that. Maybe they're pulling data using, you know, Progressive is using some kind of ELD, kind of real-time driving information. But I think the next wave of insurtechs where you're going to get a better public market multiple is when you see other revenue streams come from just the insurance product. And I think that's where your fintech insurtech lens is particularly useful, right? Um, yeah, we've seen that kind of play out. And um, yeah, we've worked with a few of the tracking guys, actually. And I think tracking is a really interesting space as well. Because um, one of the things that has happened with this scale is your acquisition costs are so expensive. Um, but the way that everyone was approaching it was like software. And the analogy I've used is, so if you sell someone bad software, the worst case scenario is that they don't renew. If you sell someone... A quote unquote bad policy. Um, the problem is that problem. That person's probably a bad risk, <laughs> and they always want to renew. And, uh, and and are you catching them enough? Um, I, I always want to talk about the event. We're at ITI. Um, what are these events kind of like for you? What are you kind of looking for? What's a good event for someone in your role? No, no, it's interesting. I mean, I've been coming to these events. This is my first time here in, in the London ITI event, but I've come to these events for a while. I've been investing in InsurTech for you know three plus years. To me, it, it, it's it's exciting for a couple of different reasons. I actually enjoy it because you get a good sense of what incumbents are thinking. Um, and you know, I, as an early stage investor, uh, to be frank, like I'm trying to displace every one of these incumbents. Um, Sometimes there are places to work with them, especially reinsurers are my favorite friends. I love, you know, listening and understanding from reinsurers. But I get a good sense of what the pain points are for some of the largest carriers, some of the largest distributors. And what I'm hearing is I'm hearing the things that we've been talking about for the last year plus. It's climate change, uh, you know, affected, you know, uh, you know, insurance policies. It's definitely cyber. Um, and then it's the, you know, the, the gamut of either claims tools or underwriting tools that exist. So to me, this is just a good market sense check that, you know, as an early stage investor, I talk to, you know, net new insure tech businesses every day. Um, it's hard to really juxtapose those what's going on in the market. So super useful for me to come out. Awesome. And I think that's all the plugging we want to do for ITI this week. Um, um, but look, Connor, I just really want to thank you for your time and your patience because we had a few tech issues going into this one. So thanks for being a guest on the podcast. Awesome. Thanks again, Alex. Thanks for listening to our special edition of the Leadership and Insurance podcast. Um, stay tuned for part two, um, also filmed at ITI um, Europe. And then we will be joined by Javier from Monday Ventures, Martin from Augmenton Fintech, Simon from QBE Ventures, and Zinnia from uh, Plug and Play.